Well, thanks so much for joining with us for our Easter services. My name is Nathan. I'm the senior pastor here at Bridgman Baptist Church, and we are so glad you could join with us as we give thanks for Jesus' sacrifice on the cross for us and the good news that Jesus is alive and the hope and the life that is found in him. If you'd like to connect with us, we would love to hear from you. And you can email hello at bridgman.org.au. Or if you have a prayer need, we would love to be able to pray for you as well. And you can let us know by emailing prayer at bridgman.org.au. Our service will be starting in just a few moments time. And I pray that you'll be strengthened and encouraged as you share with us today. Well, welcome to our Resurrection Sunday services. It's so great to have you joining with us as we give thanks that sin and death have been conquered and Jesus is alive. Let me read to you how it took place that very first Easter Sunday morning. It says this, But very early on Sunday morning, the women went to the tomb, taking the spices they had prepared. They found that the stone had been rolled away from the entrance, so they went in, but they didn't find the body of the Lord Jesus. As they stood there puzzled, two men suddenly appeared to them clothed in dazzling robes. The women were terrified and bowed down with their faces to the ground. Then the men asked, why are you looking among the dead for someone who is alive? He isn't here, He is risen from the dead. He is risen. So let's lift our voices in worship and sing the good news that Jesus is alive. Heavenly Father, we thank You for Your incredible love that You have shown and revealed to us. Great God, we thank You that You are alive, and that You are with us by Your Holy Spirit. And so we wanna pray, particularly for these ones, mourning the passing of loved ones at this time. Bless them, be near to them, we pray. We wanna pray for others in our church family who are unwell at the moment, recovering. Bless them, have Your hand of protection over them, we ask. And others too, Lord, that are experiencing financial hardship at the moment, loss of employment, those who are isolated and alone at the moment, I pray, Lord, by Your Spirit, You'll let them know of Your great love, of Your presence, of Your peace surrounding them today. And Lord, we continue to pray for our world at this time. We ask, Lord, for Your help. We ask, Lord, that You would come and that You would do Your redeeming, healing work, we pray. And we ask this in the mighty and powerful Name of Jesus. Amen. You know, Jesus is alive and He is still transforming lives today. And I'd love for you to hear the story of someone who's experienced this in her own life recently. This is Tamara's story. So why don't we listen together as she shares the difference that Jesus has made in her life. My name's Tamara. I'm 21 and I'm here to share my testimony. For much of my life, I walked alone, trying to face the struggles of this world with nothing but my own strength. As a teenager, I found life to be hard. So much sadness. Throughout high school, I would find myself feeling empty. And although at the time I didn't know it, I was missing something. I thought what I was going through was normal. I thought the deep sadness and loneliness that I felt happened to everyone. I tried to fill that longing with whatever I could including friends who encouraged me to make bad decisions. Decisions that gave me brief happiness and left me feeling worse than ever afterwards. In 2014, I made the life-changing decision to move. This was a tough decision that resulted in change in almost every aspect of my life. It meant saying goodbye to my mum, my sister, my stepdad, moving into a new house and moving to a new school. 
At the time, this was so hard. But looking back, I can see how God was helping me and guiding me even then. At my new school, I met some wonderful souls who invited me to attend Switch here at Bridgie. I eagerly attended for a couple months in grade 12. However, after graduating, I moved on with my life. I was too old for youth group and attending a service just didn't seem like an option. God didn't leave me there though. He continued to fight for me. And this was clear to me through the people he placed in my life to witness to me. After school, I got a job in a childcare centre where I eventually met Abby. She shared with us how she was a Christian and how that shaped her life, including attending church here at Bridgman Baptist. Upon hearing this familiar name, I felt comfortable enough to ask her some questions, to which she invited me to attend a service here at Bridgie, which I did. Resurrection Sunday, that's, that's what we're here for. I, I mean, it, it really is the culmination of, of everything that, that Jesus has done. And I know what you're thinking, but that's not when I accepted Jesus into my life. I got scared, and I didn't think I could do it. God didn't leave me there though. He continued to fight for me. Although I turned away from God that night, He never turned away from me. He continued to guide me and love me. A year later, I found I had some questions. So I asked Abby, to which she invited me back to another service. What He wants now is for us to take up this call to love Him and others as we take up the responsibility on our front lines. This time, Coming to church just felt so right. I won't say that I wasn't scared, because I was. In fact, I felt anxious for a long time coming here. But God knew my fears, and He surrounded me with kind, generous people who welcomed and accepted me as their friend. He placed people in my life, both here at church and in the most unexpected places, like a blessed uni, who helped me and guided me towards Him. God fought for me. He chased me down. He left the 99 for me. Even when I hurt him, even when I turned away, he continued to fight for me because that's how much he loves us. I want to bring glory to God for the amazing things he's done and will continue to do until the time that he calls me home. I now walk hand in hand with Jesus. I know that if I stumble, he will catch me. If I fall, he will lead me back. If I grow tired and weary, He will give me His strength. It is for His glory that I am here this Easter to share with you the change that has taken place in my heart. So what an amazing testimony we heard from Tamara just then and just how her life has been impacted and radically changed. And she mentioned after that video actually about how uh, her first service was a Sunday night service, Easter service. And it's been so good to hear a bit more of her story and how her life uh, has been impacted in greater detail. I, I wanna share, this is so important this morning. You may just be logging in online, maybe someone sent you a link, but I wanna share this morning with you that regardless of where you are in this crisis, every 
every single one of us has been impacted by this in some way or another. And not just in this city, not just in this nation, but throughout the world, people have, have been impacted. And I wanna say this this morning, it's really important, but I wanna say that regardless of what we might be facing, there is hope for you. There is hope in the current situation we find ourselves. And this is what we wanna talk about a little bit this morning, about the hope that we discover, the hope that we have and how it impacts our lives and the way in which we live even right now. As I was looking at it a little bit further, I was looking up the definition of hope in the dictionary and it states this. This is one of the ways it describes that word hope. It's a feeling of expectation and desire for a particular thing to happen. But interestingly, the Bible describes hope a little bit differently. In the Bible, hope is the confident expectation of what God has promised and its strength is in His faithfulness. Let me read that again. In the Bible, hope is the confident expectation of what God has promised and its strength is in His faithfulness. And this is important. Uh, because I think we underestimate so often the impact of uh, how we live our lives now based upon our hope uh, that we have for the future. And so uh, C.S., uh, sorry, not C.S. Lewis, but Timothy Keller states this. He says, you and I are unavoidably and in irreducibly hope-based creatures. We are controlled not how we live now, but what we think will happen later. Christian hope has to do with the ultimate future, not the immediate. And so there's something in us and there's something in you that, that it impacts our lives when we have a hope for the future, when we can see that, hey, there is a light at the end of the tunnel. It's so important because it radically impacts the way that we live now. Let me illustrate this a little bit further. Uh, I want you to imagine for a second that there are two people that are offered a job and they've got to work for 12 months and the working conditions are pretty tough and it, it's a tough job. It's not a glorious job by any means, but the company or whoever it is, says to the first person, well, this is what we're gonna do. If you want this job, uh, this is what it is and this is what it entails. And at the end of 12 months, we're gonna pay you, you know, $50,000. And the person thinks, okay, I'll, I'll do it. You know, I'll do this job for 12 months and at the end, I'll receive the $50,000. But they take another person and they say to the other person, the second person, they say, okay, here's the job. This is what's uh, expected of you. You're gonna have to do this particular work. And, uh, and, but at the end of 12 months after you've worked uh, in this job, we are gonna pay you $5 million. Now, imagine that uh, these two people, they don't know what each other is earning, but these two people start in this job and they're working you know, for a month or so. And, and one day they're working together and, and they stop for, for lunch and they're both sitting there. And the first person starts to share about, man, this, this job's tough. Like it's really hard and it's long hours and it's arduous and it, it's, not a, you know, it's not really clean. It's a filthy job and, and starts sort of somewhat complaining, but, but knowing, well, you know, at the end of it all, I suppose I'll receive 50,000 at the end of you know, 12 months of working this job. But interestingly, the second person, they're sort of like their response to it all is like, oh yeah, you know, it's sort of tough, but oh, it's not that bad, you know? And, and uh, yeah, it's kind of long hours, but you know, it, it's all worth it in the end. And the first person's thinking, what, how are they responding in this way? Why are they responding like this? And the difference is, is because of the outcomes. The difference is, is because of their expectation after 12 months of what they are going to receive. And so two have two, uh, the, the two people have two radically different responses 
responses based upon their hope of what is got, they're going to receive in the future. And this is why it impacts us immediately. This is why it impacts the way that we live now because of the fact of what we know is going to happen, what we perceive is going to take place in the future. The, hope, the hopeful assurance that we can have in our hearts based upon what is going to happen in the future. And so this is important, having hope in our lives, understanding this very morning that you can have a hopeful assurance of the future, regardless of what you might be going through now, there is hope for you. And, as, and when you understand that, it impacts the way that you live now. Maybe another example would be, I remember a few years ago when I was about uh, 15 or 16, probably a bit more than just a few years ago. Uh, but when I was about 15 or 16, I remember uh, we were in high school and a couple of mates had mentioned one morning, hey, we should all go over to you know, so-and-so's house and just do some boxing uh, in the backyard. And I'd never done any boxing lessons or even boxing fitness or anything like that. And I really wasn't too keen on the idea whatsoever. Uh, but they, uh, they thought it was a good idea. And when you've got eight or nine mates that are around all going, yeah, in agreeance, like, yeah, this would be awesome. You know, you don't go, oh, no, guys, like, oh, I think, you know, it's probably a little bit dangerous. Let's not do that. You're just in agreement as well. Oh, absolutely. That'd be amazing. Now, I don't know, you know, how it came up, but as the day went on, more and more, the boys kept talking about, oh, tonight we're going to do this boxing in, in so-and-so's backyard. And a couple of them were in boxing, doing boxing at the time and doing some training boxing. And so two of them thought, I'll bring um, our boxing gloves so we can, you know, do it, you know, legit. And... Uh, and so as the day went on, I must admit more and more, I just got more and more stressed as the day went on, knowing and thinking about, man, tonight I'm going to have to literally box on with one of my mates. And, you know, I was probably a bit of a pretty boy at the time. So I was concerned about my face and I don't want to mess the face up. And, uh, and so I, I was stressed more and more each day. I was stressed about how it was, it was all going to unfold that night. I didn't know the outcome. I didn't know how it was going to play out. I didn't have a hope or a sense of it's okay okay, I won't have to do this because I just didn't know what the future looked like. And so the day went on and I was pretty stressed. And by the time we got to that night, sure enough, I rocked up uh, at my mate's place and all the other boys were there and uh, we started to get ready. And luckily for me, two other mates were nominated to, to box on against each other and uh, it wasn't me. But as, uh, but, but as they were preparing, you know, they got the boxing gloves on and they were sort of, um, you know, taping it up and all this sort of stuff. And then we walked out into my mate's backyard and, uh, and then someone said, all right, here we go. Ding, ding, ding. That was the bell. Someone just said, ding, ding, ding. And they just got into it. And uh, there was no form. There was no, uh, you know, there were just arms flailing everywhere. And I think they were just trying to punch each other first before they got knocked. And, and, and so there was all these arms going everywhere. And eventually one of my mates got pretty badly hit in the nose and his nose started bleeding. And all of a sudden, we're like, oh, just stop. Let's stop, stop. And uh, we sort of took him aside and had a bit of a look at it all. And I think luckily due to the circumstances and everything that, that take, you know, had taken place with our mate, it, it just kind of, we got distracted and we just sort of stopped it all. And I remember thinking, so, I was so glad. I mean, I wasn't a Christian. I didn't necessarily believe in God at that time in my life, but I probably prayed that day, oh God, if you can get me out of this, that would be amazing. And luckily I didn't have to, you know, box on with some mate that night. Uh, but 
The difference was that, that if someone had told me that morning, if someone hadn't come to me that morning and said, I can absolutely assure you, I can give you an absolute certainty that you will not have to you know, box on with a mate tonight, then I would have lived that day in, in total peace. I would have lived that day without any sort of stress whatsoever. Why? Because I knew, I knew that, uh, I knew the outcome. I could have absolute hope in that night. I wouldn't have to do what I, I didn't wanna do. And that's what hope does. It changes the way that we live now when we have an absolute assurance of how it's all going to uh, unfold or unravel in the future. And so this morning, I encourage you, this morning that you can know for for certainty, you can know for sure a a hope within your heart of the future uh, in store for your life. Now, um, recently when I was thinking about uh, this current pandemic that we're in, Uh, my mind went back to uh, the first few centuries and about the response of the Christians in those first uh, few century pandemics and the the deaths and the crises that many people through the Roman Empire and beyond that as well, that that the people went through. And and the response of the Christians were quite remarkable in that time. And there's, you can read in history how they responded. And there's a a few different articles on that. But I, I came across an article which just describes a little bit of the response of the Christians through those early first century pandemics. And it says this, ancient societies and religions were not known for their care for the sick and dying. Christians who often risked their lives to care even for non-Christians represented a radical difference in the values taught by the Bible than anything else known at that time. It was common in ancient societies, including Rome, which saw the inception and rise of Christianity to abandon the sick and dying. Roman religion did not teach followers to care for the helpless. Destitute families lacking any resources to help sometimes even abandoned the chronically ill to die. In Rome, sick or elderly slaves were routinely left to waste away. Unwanted children were often left to die of exposure. If a father decided that the, uh, that the family couldn't afford to feed another child, that child would be abandoned on the steps of a temple or in the public square. Almost without exception, defective newborns were exposed in this way. Against this backdrop, Christianity was a distinct contrast. The Bible teaches that intrinsic value of every human being and early Christians began caring for their ailing. Church leaders followed the biblical uh, admonition to visit the sick. Congregations and communities set up formal practices for care. And as this became common among Christians, they were challenged to care for pagans as well. In the third century AD, an epidemic swept across Northern Africa, Italy and the Western Empire. And as many as 5,000 people a day were dying in Rome. The sick were abandoned in the streets and the dead left unburied. However, the Christians buried the dead and risked getting sick by taking in the sick. This was repeated other times in the early centuries of the church during epidemics. Christians introduced a new concern and a standard of care for sick people. It's interestingly uh, interesting that Eusebius uh, also recorded the, the response of the Christians. He states this, as Bishop of the city and a historian of the early church, Eusebius recorded in history that during the plague, All day long, some of them, the Christians, tended to the dying and to their burial, countless numbers with no one to care for them. Others gathered together from all parts of the city, a multitude of those withered from famine and distributed bread to them all. 
Eusebius goes on to state that because of their compassion in the midst of the plague, the Christians' deeds were on everyone's lips and they glorified the God of the Christians. Now what's interestingly and what uh, came to my mind is why would they respond in such a way? Why would they respond oftentimes even risking their lives as they went and cared and valued and loved and showed compassion uh, towards those that are sick and dying? Even if it meant contracting the same disease and potentially dying themselves, which many did. Why would they respond in such a way? Because they had a future hope, because they knew in their heart that this life is not all that there is, but there is something more. There is a future hope that the Word of God teaches, that God uh, has made a way for humanity, that this wouldn't be the end, but He's made a way so that people can uh, have hope in Him, have hope in in the future, eternal life, where there's no more pain, no more suffering, no more heartache. And because of that, it changes the way that we live now. There were three quite phenomenal responses that came from the Christians during those early uh, uh, epidemics. Firstly, they cared for the sick and the dying, which was, was so contrast to the way that everybody else was living. People were running for the hills, but they cared and valued and showed compassion to the sick and dying. Uh, they, they were persecuted in the early Roman Empire. Christians were persecuted and their response to the persecution was quite remarkable. They prayed for their persecutors and they showed compassion to them, uh, which is uh, remarkable. And ethnic, ethnically as well, they showed inclusivity. Not uh, those uh, from different races they included. There wasn't like a pecking order from different races or anything like that, but they showed inclusivity uh, ethnically. And so uh, this was quite remarkable, the way that they responded. But most importantly, what was most remarkable is their care and love and compassion for those that were sick, even though they easily could have contracted the disease and died themselves. And so why did they respond in that way? Is because of the hope that they had for the future. In the same way, we too can have a hopeful assurance of our future as well. And because of that, it impacts the way that we live today. We can face circumstances and situations in this life. We can face uh, you know, financial difficulty. We can face relational breakdown. We can face uh, the, 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 the thought of maybe losing a job uh, with, with a sense, still a sense of hope. Why? Because we know that, hey, this life is not all that there is, but there is something more. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm not discounting the fact that, yes, we, there is some really tough stuff and some of you are going through some really difficult things. And it's hard. I understand that. It's really tough. But even in the midst of that, there's still a hope that, hey, one day God will set everything right. He will set everything right. As I was just thinking about this, I, I jotted down some thoughts around uh, the, the hopeful future and a hopeful assurance that we can have in God. I wasn't sure if I was going to use them, but I'm just going to read it out to you as I jotted this down earlier. A hopeless, a hopeless lived life will cause you to live a selfish life a life that protects yourself and only those that are very close to you at every single corner. You're hoard and live suspiciously towards others, a closed off life centred around protection and sometimes greed, a life short-sighted and inward. However, uh, the hope-filled life, the hope-filled life is one that is marked by generosity, peace, compassion and openness, one that can easily give not concerned about the cost. It's a life of freedom, 
not limited by the immediate, but with a joyous expectation of the future. A hope-filled person can give their life away because of a deep inner security and peace that everything ultimately is going to be okay. And maybe this morning, deep within your heart, you feel like, gee, I would love to know that assurance. Gee, I would love to know what it, uh, to, to experience a deep inner peace, a deep inner assurance of the hope for the future. And this morning you can. This morning you could respond to God just as Tamara did a couple of years ago and, and her life was changed and transformed. In the same way, your life could be impacted this very day also. In a similar way, there was a situation where uh, in the Bible, it talks about these, these group of people that were also afraid and facing some difficult circumstances and situations. But the situation began to turn around as they discovered uh, hope. It's found in Matthew 28 as we celebrate and as we reflect upon this Easter season, the death, but also the resurrection of Christ on Sunday uh, resurrection. And so it states this in Matthew 28 as it talks about uh, this resurrection of Christ. And it says this, Early on Sunday morning as the new day was dawning, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went out to visit the tomb. Suddenly there was a great earthquake for an angel of the Lord came down from heaven, rolled aside the stone and sat on it. His face shone like lightning and his clothing was as white as snow. The guards shook with fear or in another translation, it talks about being afraid. They shook with fear when they saw him and they fell into a dead faint. Now I, I can understand that. I, I probably would respond in a similar way if I'd seen what they saw. Verse five, it continues, then the angel spoke to the women. Don't be afraid. This is important. Here, firstly, the guards are fearful and afraid. The angel speaks to the women, says, don't be afraid, he said. I know you are looking for Jesus who was crucified. He isn't here. He is risen from the dead, just as he said would happen. Come, see where his body was lying and now go quickly and tell his disciples that he has risen from the dead and he is going ahead of you uh, to Galilee. You will see him there. Remember what I have told you. Now, this would have been incredible for these women. They, they thought that this was the end. They thought Jesus has been crucified. It's all over. They would have felt uh, pretty uh, devastated. They would have felt pretty hopeless at the circumstances. I mean, they thought Jesus was, would come and be king and reign physically like in, in, in their life. And yet when he was crucified on the cross, they must have felt, well, all hope was lost. And yet the angel tells them otherwise. The women uh, ran quickly from the tomb and they were very frightened, it says, but also filled with great joy. And they rushed to give the disciples the angel's message. And as they went, Jesus met them and greeted them and they ran to him, grasped his feet and worshipped him, as you probably would. Then Jesus said to them, don't be afraid. There it is again, this, this word afraid. Don't be afraid, he says. Go tell my brothers to leave for Galilee and they will see me there. Now, this is quite a remarkable story and, and I get it. You know, it, it's hard to, I mean, maybe this morning you're sitting there and you're thinking, you know, can I really believe in this, this concept or this idea of the resurrection? And I'd be the first to say, I've wrestled with that as well. I've struggled with that as well. But what we discover from this passage is here, these women are down cast, the disciples would have been devastated that their king has been crucified, it's all over. They would have felt so hopeless. And yet what they discover in the last part of this verse, it says, 
says the women were still very frightened, but they were also filled with a great joy. Why? It's because all of a sudden, as the angel shares with them, he is risen. There, there is hope. All of a sudden, this hope begins to rise up within them. And in the same way, a similar hope can rise, without, uh, rise within your heart as well. Yes, we're facing some difficult circumstances and some situations in our current context that, that is impacting all of us, but there is still hope. There is still hope for the future. Why? Because of the resurrection of Christ. Because God has reminded us and told us that death is not the end, but there is something more. And so it's a phenomenal response. On four different occasions, they were scared and afraid and terrified. But at the end, the women are filled with this great joy because hope is beginning to rise up in their hearts. You know, at the end of this chapter, it goes on to talk about Jesus uh, meeting His disciples at the Mount of Galilee. And He begins to share with them uh, and He gives them a commission and a command. I want you to go out. I want you to go and make disciples and impact the world around you positively and powerfully. And it's quite remarkable because what we discover as we look at the church, is that the church roughly 2,000 years later is still continuing to move forward. And, and when we look at how that all unfolded, it really unfolded by a group of, of ragtag, ordinary people that turned the world upside down. But what's amazing is that prior to this and the lead up to Jesus' burial, many of them fled, many of them scattered, many of them responded in such a cowardly way. So what was the change? What was the difference? Afterwards, when Jesus uh, appears to them, He gives them a command and they, they respond with boldness. They respond with courage. It's a remarkable contrast. Well, what's the difference? I think now they have a, a hope. I believe now within their heart, there is a hope that has risen that, hey, this is amazing. We thought it was all over. We thought Jesus was dead, but now He's alive. And this hope begins to rise up within them and they go out in power. They go out in boldness. They go out with courage that this isn't the end, but there is something more. That they can lay down their lives knowing that this is not the end for for my life. And this is what hope does. It stirs up within our hearts. The other great encouraging thing I find about this passage is that it speaks about God using these ordinary people. And in the same way, maybe you're sitting there and you feel like, oh, my life's pretty ordinary. I feel like I'm a pretty ordinary person. That doesn't discount you. As a matter of fact, God will take ordinary people to do extraordinary things. And in the same way, He will take your life to do extraordinary things, to use your life, to impact lives around you, to have a positive and a profound impact on the people around you. And this is exciting. This is exciting. Hope should begin to stir up within your life as well as you begin to understand the God of the universe that wants to use you. C.S. Lewis uh, states this. He says, if you read history, you will find that the Christians who did most for this present world are just the ones that thought most of the next. The apostles themselves who set on foot in the conversion of the Roman Empire, the great men who built up the Middle Ages, the English evangelicals who abolished the slave trade, all left their mark on earth precisely because their minds were occupied with heaven. It is since Christians have largely ceased to think of the other world that they have become so ineffective in this. Aim at heaven and you'll, let, you'll get earth thrown in. Aim at earth and you'll get neither. 
What is, what is he saying here? In essence, he's saying this. He's saying you focus on heaven. If you focus on this, this hopeful assurance that there is something more, you will live a, a, a life, an extraordinary life here and now. Uh, let me put it this way. Who, who saves more money? Is it the person that uh, thinks about their retirement or the person that just disregards it altogether? Who does better on a performance evaluation? The person who is concerned about what their boss thinks or the person who, who couldn't care less about what their boss thinks? Who changes the world or who impacts the world? The person who thinks of the next, that, that the way that they live now will impact the, the, the world to come or the person who just thinks, oh, this is all there is, so, so, so that's it, you know, th- this is it, this is it. And maybe as you sit there, maybe you're thinking to yourself, well, well wouldn't that... Wouldn't that propel me to live a life fulfilled here and now? Like if this is all there is, maybe you're sitting there thinking, but, but that's why I wanna make the most of my life right now because if I believe this is all there is, then I'll make the most of it. And I get it and I understand that. And of course, for many of us, we wanna live fulfilled lives. We wanna live, you know, happy, joyous lives. Absolutely we do. The only problem with this theory that this is all there is and so I'm just gonna make the most of it now is that what happens when the world around us deals us a hand that that isn't so great? What happens when circumstances totally out of our control um, take place in our lives that are horrific and terrible and, and, and and these awful circumstances that we have to face? If, if this life is all there is, then that's kind of it. And, and maybe there's circumstances and situations that we, we can't change in that. But if there is a future hope, but, but if we, we do know that this life isn't all there is, but there is something more, then there's a sense in which you can rise above the immediate circumstances. There's a sense in which you can overcome the difficulties and the trials that, that we might be facing in this immediate time. Why? Because we know this isn't it, but there's something more. There is a hope for the future. And so we can put our trust in that. And this, this is how this impacts our lives here and now. The importance and the value and the need to have a hope-filled assurance for the future. Like I've said all along, you can know this, this very morning. Like I've said, you can know this morning of the hopeful assurance that is found in Christ. The promises that God offers, not just for some, not just for the elite, but literally for all people. I think I mentioned this before, but notice at the end of this passage uh, that the women were frightened, but also filled with a great joy. A great joy, why? Because of the hope that began to rise up within them, knowing that, hey, Jesus is not dead and, and buried and that's it, but there is a future hope that He's risen again. And this is what we celebrate and reflect upon this Easter Sunday. This isn't just kind of wishful thinking. This isn't just kind of giving you a prep talk to say, hey, you know, there's hope for the future and I hope circumstances change for you. This is foundational stuff, foundation of the Christian faith where God has said, I promise you, I assure you that this is not all there is, but there is a life to come. There's a quote by R.C. Sprawl that states this, hope is called the anchor of the soul because it gives stability to the Christian life. But hope is not simply a wish. I wish that such and such would take place. Rather, it is that which latches on to the certainty of the promises of the future that God has made. And this is the exact promises that God has made for you and for me, that this life is not all that there is. Imagine this morning, imagine knowing that deep inner peace, that hopeful assurance of something 
uh, to come, that this life isn't all there is. Imagine, as I mentioned to you at the start about those Christians that responded to those early epidemics in a way that risking their lives, laying down their lives, knowing that, that as they cared and showed compassion and love for the very people that were dying, knowing in their hearts that I could die from this. Imagine living a life with, uh, living a life to be able to respond in such a way, to be able to walk with such courage, to be able to walk with such boldness, to be able to live a life like that. Well, I want you to know this morning that you can. I want you to know this morning that you could live in that manner. Why? Not because of wishful thinking, but based on the foundational promises of what God has said in His Word, that you could know Him personally. You could know the assurance of the hope that He promises us. Your hope, your security is in the resurrection of Christ. It's your, it's your receipt of what has been paid for you, has been paid for humanity. And Graham Lotz says this, if God can bring blessing from the broken body of Jesus and glory from something that's as obscene as the cross, He can bring blessing from my problems and my pain and my prayer. I just have to trust Him. And this morning, I wanna encourage you, Maybe as you've been listening, maybe as you've been hearing this, there's something in your heart that has risen up and thought, gee, I would love to know in my heart. I would love to know what it means to have a hopeful assurance, to be able to live in a way where there's this deep inner peace, regardless of the circumstances and the situations that sometimes crash uh, upon me. Well, this morning, I want you to know you can. I wanna lead you this morning in an opportunity just to respond to God, to say, God, I wanna know that hopeful assurance. You don't have to close your eyes or do anything necessarily uh, specific, uh, but I'm gonna just lead you in a prayer and you can repeat that prayer uh, in your heart and in your mind. You can just leave your eyes open if you want, but I wanna lead you in that prayer. So why don't we pray together now? Father, I thank you so much for your word and how it brings about a hope in our hearts and in our lives. I just believe in my heart that some right now are feeling that sense of I wish I knew that in my own life. If that's you, just in your heart and in your head, you can just pray a simple prayer to God. Dear God, I wanna know a hopeful assurance of you in my own life. A hopeful assurance of the future. I want you to reveal yourself to me. I want you to be Lord and Saviour of my life. I wanna thank you this Easter for the reminder of your death and resurrection and how that sets me free. Come and fill me now by your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Father, I thank you so much for the hope we have in you. I thank you so much for those that responded this very morning. And uh, we love you, great God. We put our trust and our faith in you. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. If you responded this morning in some way or another, we would love to get some information out to you. You can email us at hello at bridgman.org.au. And uh, we want to worship our great God now. He's worthy of that. And so why don't we do that? Let's sing this song together as we give Him thanks and praise this morning. Amen. How good is it to know that He is alive, that we have a living hope. Thank you for joining with us today for our Easter Sunday service. Don't forget, if you prayed that prayer today, 
then make sure you let us know. Contact us so we can get in touch with you, pray for you, send some information to help you. And please do come. Join us again next Sunday as we gather together again online. God bless. We look forward to sharing with you again soon. Well, thanks so much for sharing with us today. If you sense God speaking to you, we'd love to help you and encourage you. And you can let us know by emailing prayer at bridgman.org.au or going to our website and filling in the prayer response card there, bridgman.org.au forward slash prayer. I also want to mention to you the Alpha Course Online. The Alpha Course has helped millions of people around the world on their journey of faith and answering the questions of life and finding meaning and purpose. If you'd like to be involved with that, you can find the details on our website as well. We have a course starting very soon. Just go to bridgman.org.au forward slash alpha. Thanks again for sharing with us. We pray God's blessing for you and look forward to sharing with you again soon.